Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, sir. It's good great morning. To, great to be here. The sun is shining. The uh, the flowers are blooming, and the bass are biting. So I, I wouldn't know about that, but <laughs> so good to be with you guys this morning. Very good, very good. Uh, nice warm day. It's finally starting to feel like spring, and uh, it's been great to be outdoors, and great to see a lot of uh, businesses opening up again, and so good. trying to get back to normal, So, uh, but we're excited to be here this morning to worship with you all, and uh, today's a, a big day for a certain uh, demographic of our society. Race, really? Race car fans. Today, <laughs> there yes. is, there's a big race uh, down at uh, Darlington Speedway in my own stopping grounds there in South Carolina. And uh, although I'm not a NASCAR fan, I may be tuning in this afternoon. <laughs> I'm just dying. I think there's probably going to be a lot more NASCAR fans um, because that's the only thing to watch. And so folks like me who've never really followed the sport uh, will have an opportunity to do that. And uh, one thing I found that was interesting is that it, it's one of the older tracks. And it was actually designed for cars um, that only went 80 miles an hour. Hmm. And they have cars that are going to be going like 180 miles an hour. We should try that someday. <laughs> that, that was, you know, I've, I've driven on the Bristol Motor Speedway. I actually have in those, that bank, the, the bank's, are incredible. I mean, it's 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 like this, and so centrifugal force is kind of what keeps you from you know rolling over. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Um, but anyway, that's that's going on now. You say, well, what in the world does it have to do with what we're going to be talking about? Here? Yes, Paul. What <laughs> what in the world does that have to do with what we're talking about? Well, believe it or not, uh, the Book of Mark uh, is is kind of like a, a race. Mm. Um, it moves so fast, so, so quickly. Um, in fact, in the book of Mark, um, uh, Mark uses the word euthus, um, which is often translated immediately or, or straight away, uh, right away. And it, it literally means without hesitation. It means with no delay. It's, it's something that happens like that. Mm. And, and it creates a pace through his book that is unmatched with the other Gospels. Wow. Uh, in fact, in the very first chapter, actually that, that word that he uses occurs more than 40 times in the book. Wow. And it occurs 12 times just in the first chapter. So, so you, if you go through and you highlight the word immediately or at once, you, you'll get a sense John, uh, excuse me, Mark is just plowing through. Yeah. It's as though he was trying to say something. Yes, yes. And, and Mark is a, it's no wonder that Mark's a gospel of action. Um, he, even though his book is the shortest of the four gospels, he actually devotes more time to Jesus's miracles than the other three gospels, mm. which is very, very interesting. And the, and the reason why he does so is because he is trying to get his readers to understand the divine sonship of Jesus, yeah. to understand who he is. And he uses his miracles mm. as evidence uh, of that. Mm. And uh, we're going to see that in, in Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 42 this morning, uh, as Jesus demonstrates his authority, as he declares his purpose, and as he displays his compassion. And as we look at the text, 
I really think that our response is, is quite simple. Um, we, we must, we have to submit to Jesus's authority over our lives. We, we must proclaim or preach the gospel mm -hmm. um, to everyone who needs to hear. And that includes going to people and to places um, where, where they need Jesus the most. Um, and that's, that's probably one of the things that you really take away as you watch where Jesus went, who he spoke with. Um, he loved those people, and he calls us to be on mission with him. And so that's where we're going this morning. Awesome. How about I pray for us, and then uh, maybe you can get us started. Sounds great. Right. Lord God, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your servant, Mark, and uh, for all that he recorded for us, for our instruction. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher here this morning. May we be forever changed and made like our Lord and Savior. And uh, Lord, use us for the furtherance of your kingdom, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, if, uh, if you've got uh, your Bibles there with you, we're going to turn to uh, Mark chapter 1. Whether it's digital or print, kids, if you don't have uh, your Bibles, uh, go and get it. Run um, as fast as you can. Dig it out from underneath all of the dirty clothes or wherever it is on your bookshelf. And uh, turn with us to Mark chapter 1 as we begin to kind of dive in um, to what's happening here as uh, Mark just goes quickly, quickly through it. So we're going to start in Mark uh, chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 21 and 22 to get us started this morning. And it says, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. It's interesting here to note that um, Jesus went into the synagogue and he was teaching, mm -hmm. which of course was a significant deal, and uh, they were astonished. I mean, they were amazed, they mm -hmm. were blown away um, at him teaching. Yeah. So uh, if you or I were to go in there, they probably... Would not be as impressed. Wouldn't be as impressed. <laughs> They'd be like, what, what's, what's Paul and Eric doing up there? Uh, but here... That's probably uh, what some of the folks out there are thinking right now. We Please mute Paul's <laughs> mic. Uh, <laughs> they, they probably are. But here, uh, they were astonished at mm -hmm. what Jesus was teaching. And mm -hmm. whether it's exactly what he was teaching or how he was teaching or how he um, just uh, presented himself, we begin to wonder... Um, maybe you thought about this. Why do you think they might have been astonished at his teaching? Well, I, I think the most obvious reason is, is what is recorded right here in Scripture. It says that he taught as one having authority, yeah. not as the scribes. So there, there's a contrast between the way the scribes taught mm -hmm. and the way that Jesus taught. And, um, you know, you might think of the, the, the scribes as, you know, being very maybe academic um, and, and just kind of regurgitating, you know, what, what has been said down through the ages, repeating oral tradition and things like that. Um, many, many of, uh, of the people uh, would have probably quoted famous rabbis in the past. Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't do that. Yeah. And... And, and, I, and I don't want to steal your thunder or anything, but, I mean, we got to realize who it is that's teaching here, you know? This, this, is, yeah. 
This, you know, John tells us in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And then in verse 14, it says that, and the word became flesh. So we know that Jesus is the word, that he was there at the beginning at the creation of the universe. He spoke the universe into existence. And this is the guy that's teaching. Yeah. He just gets to get up and talk about all the things that he already did. And, you know, as we think about authority, um, you know, we, we oftentimes think of movie roles. And, of course, mm-hmm. there's no perfect correlation uh, between Jesus and anybody um, on TV. But um, as you think about some um, types of authority, there's oftentimes positional authority mm-hmm. that you're granted um, authority or you're seen as authority because of the position you hold, whether it's a king, a teacher, whatever. Um, and there's also um, you, you have authority because of what you know or what people think you know. And as you think about uh, movies that are out there, two of my favorite, um, maybe for the young adult life group, this will check off on your bingo form maybe uh, for this week. Um, I love The Sandlot. Love the movie. And it's clear who the authority is in that mm-hmm. movie. Uh, with all of the kids that are playing baseball, um, Benny. I mean, he, he's the guy. He knows the game. Um, he has the authority. And he determines what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about another movie, uh, Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. great, great movie, great thing to do during quarantine, <laughs> watch all of these uh, trilogies. Uh, Gandalf is clearly the authority. He is one who knows what's going on, what needs to be done, and what um, needs to happen. And um, here we have Jesus going in and teaching uh, with authority. There was something that the people recognized mm-hmm. um, about w- how he held himself, what he was speaking, how he was speaking. And clearly, um, it, it draws back to the fact that he was the one who created it all to begin with. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to drum up um, any sort of fake authority. He doesn't need to quote anybody. He doesn't need to reference anybody. If he is referencing anybody, he would reference himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the very word that, that Mark uses uh, that's translated uh, authority carries the idea of that he had the right or the power to act, yeah. that there was something intrinsic in, in his communication that, you know, a long, long time ago, there used to be a commercial, the E.F. Hutton commercial, you know, this is when E.F. Hutton speaks, you know, everybody listens, you know, see, I'm really dating myself there, mm. but, um, but, but the, that would be true of Jesus. When he spoke, you couldn't help but listen. There was, there was power in his words. Yeah. Uh, again, going back to the fact that he he spoke the the universe into existence, and so um, so we see that Jesus demonstrates his authority here in his teaching, mm-hmm. but that's not the only way that he demonstrated his authority. He he actually demonstrated his authority with power over the demons, and uh, we'll see that in verse twenty three. It says, and immediately there was. Uh, and there's that word, immediately. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. <laughs> but Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. 
And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, Who is this? A new teaching with authority? And he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And so you can, you can see in looking at, at these verses, there's a clear connection between Jesus' uh, authoritative teaching and Jesus' authority over yeah. the demons. What, what a crazy moment, right? <laughs> Let's just acknowledge that. Uh, there was a, actually, we didn't plan on talking about this, but I oftentimes share weird stories. But uh, So I'm going to, as a middle school student, the church I was at, the, this... Um, quartet group came into town and people from the community of the churches came in to for this big like big tent revival kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing and um i don't even know what song they were singing but um there um in the sanctuary this guy um gets up and he just starts running around <laughs> the sanctuary um clearly possessed or something and just running and running and this moment this Everyone's kind of like, what, what do we do? Of course, middle school kids were like, yeah, this is awesome. We didn't know what was going on. So imagine if, if Jesus were there, mm-hmm. he, he would have done something, probably different than the deacons. The deacons ended up chasing the guy. Oh, my goodness. Um, and they eventually tackled him. <laughs> but Jesus wouldn't have had to chase him or tackle him. Here, he, he does something different. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think... Um, one of the things that really stands out to me as I look at this is that you re- you see in verse 24 that the demons actually recognize Jesus. Mm. Something that a lot of people don't. You know, yeah. um, the, the demons were, were the first people to recognize that Jesus was the Holy One of God, which, by the way, was an Old Testament messianic title. Mm-hmm. So they, they weren't just saying, you know, he's a holy guy. He's, you're the Son of God. We recognize you, Jesus yeah. of, of Nazareth. And, and, and that they also go on to say that they understood that Jesus had the power to destroy them. Mm. Have you, have you come to destroy us? So they acknowledged his identity mm-hmm. as, as the Holy One of God, and they, underst- they understood his right uh, to judge them and his power to destroy them. And, and as I was thinking about that, um, I, I think there's an application for us is because just knowing who Jesus is is not enough to save a person. Yeah. You know, the demons believed and yet they were not saved. In fact, uh, James tells us in his epistle that if you believe that there's one God, great, fantastic. <laughs> the demons believe that, and, and they tremble yeah. with fear. And so there are, there are a lot of people probably sitting in, in churches when they're allowed to meet um, who, who have the faith of demons. Mm. They don't have true saving faith. It's a scary phrase, right? It is, that they yeah. They have the faith of demons. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, uh, that's the kind of faith that I had for the first 21 years of, of my life. You know, I, yeah. I believed intellectually anyway the, the right things, but I wasn't trusting in Christ. I wasn't submitted to his lordship in my life. And that's what, what the word believe means. It means adhering to and clinging to and, and, and uh, being submissive to the person of Jesus Christ. Not just agreeing that mm-hmm. that must be true. Yeah. 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 Big difference. 
And then not only did the demons recognize him, but notice that the demons had to obey him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and this, is, this is also fascinating because, see, the typical way that exorcisms were performed in Jesus' day uh, were, was different than this mm-hmm. because typically what they would do is uh, they would call upon their deities or their God. They would uh, chant or uh, use certain magic words or formulas and try to uh, adjure the, the demon to come out of the person. Jesus does none of that. Mm. He simply says, be silent. Come out of him. Done. Again, <laughs> the, the spoken yeah. word. And, um, and, and, and so he speaks to the demon, and the demon had to obey. And, and so clearly, again, we see Jesus' authority demonstrated in his power mm-hmm. over the demons. Um, maybe one other thing. This, this could be a little scary here um, to, to bring up, but where did this miracle take place? He was in the synagogue, right? He was in the synagogue. So he was in the midst of worship. You might say he was in church. <laughs> I mean, think about that for a moment. Um, you know, we, we, we don't expect that, but yet didn't Jesus warn us that there would always be tares with the wheat? Mm. Um, he told us to beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Um, sometimes there are people who are sitting next to us seats or in the pews who are in bondage to sin. Some people even in bondage to Satan himself or, or to demons. And so you, we, we, we have to understand Jesus is in the synagogue and he's teaching. Apparently, I mean, we're, we're led to think that this person may have been there every week leading up to that. And the only mm. difference is, is Jesus shows up and it's his words, because he speaks not as the scribes do, but as one having authority, and they responded. Yeah. So it's interesting you mis- mentioned the person sitting next to you. Uh, that's just ironic that I'm sitting next to you today, right? Not, uh, yeah, yeah. not something you're trying to imply. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not, not implying. You know, but, but I think it's, it's mindful, because sometimes we think that just because a person goes to a worship service that yeah. they're, they're, they're automatically a follower of Christ. And the reality is, is that you have genuine Christ followers yeah. worshiping together with you, but then you have people who don't know Christ. Um, they're not yet Christian. Yeah. Or maybe you have somebody who really is dealing with an addiction, uh, a demonic oppression, um, if, you, if you would. So, yeah. and, and I think, too, we need to remember what the Apostle Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says that even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Sometimes we just don't know because people can look like the real deal when they're not. Yeah. Well, and interesting too is, um, you know, is even as we live in a world right now where people are struggling to know what's true. Mm-hmm. And you want to believe this person, believe that person. In, in this instance, you, you'd want to believe that people mm-hmm. that are with you um, are certainly followers of Christ. But there's coming back, I think, as an importance in, in our culture, is what, particularly in the church, is to be able to discern yeah. um, who's who and what's real and what's true. Mm-hmm. And uh, that might be a gift that God gives us yeah. out of this whole mess. Of course, there's some objective criteria. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits. Yeah. 
and um, and so we should pay attention to those things. But but you know, let me ask you this: in, in light of Jesus's authority in his teaching, in light of his authority uh, over the demons, how encouraging is that? Uh, I think it's great. I, I think you know. I, Growing up for me, I mean, I was very much taught that I need to be afraid mm-hmm. of um, demons or the devil, mm-hmm. uh, very much yeah. in that world. I, I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to worry. Um, and it's not, it's not about me and my power to, like, fix the problem um, or anything with that. Mm-hmm. God's got this. He's got authority over him. Yeah. We can, we can go into the thick of battle knowing that God's got our backs, you know, that no matter what Satan throws at us, no matter what demons there may be uh, that, that we encounter as we minister, God is greater than that. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Yeah. Right? Amen. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's keep going and check out uh, what's going on here in verse 29 as we see that not only um, does he have power in his teaching and not only does he have um, power over um, demons there in the moment, we're going to see that he also has power over sickness and disease. Mm-hmm. So in verse 29, it says, immediately, again, immediately, <laughs> uh, he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, as sun as, as sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Hmm. Again, uh, what a moment, what a crazy moment that got even crazier as the, the whole town even began um, to come. They, they brought their sick. They brought those who they believed uh, were possessed um, by demons. Um, but here we see that, that Jesus has the power and authority over both. Yeah. And one of the things Mark doesn't mention there, but I think it's worth noting, is, is that during the Sabbath, um, healing was considered a work. And so there were many people who had heard about Jesus, wanted to bring those who were sick and those who were demon-possessed to him, but couldn't because they would have broken the law. So as soon as the Sabbath was over, it was, it's kind of like this yes. COVID thing, right? Once it opens up, boop, out the door. Um, I don't know if yeah. you saw pictures of some of the restaurants just filled with people, but, but there they were at Peter's front door. It says all the city was there. I wonder if they're at the house, they were like six feet apart. <laughs> Or, or if they got shower curtains between uh-huh. them or plastic. Uh, probably, no. probably not. No. Probably didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, amazing here that uh, even the people were recognizing the Sabbath and brought mm-hmm. um, all that were sick um, there. And Jesus healed many. Uh, interesting to note, he didn't mm-hmm. heal everybody. Yeah. He didn't go throughout the town and bring out your sick, bring out your sick and and heal everyone in the town. He didn't heal everyone in the world. Mm-hmm. He didn't heal everyone there in that moment at that particular house. Um, as we go throughout Scripture, we see that some people he didn't heal. Yeah. Um, which you know some of us wrestle with. Yeah. But like, well, why? Why not? Why mm-hmm. wouldn't Jesus just heal everybody? But we begin to see um, that Jesus um, probably had a different purpose. Yeah. 
and we see um, that purpose kind of beginning to come out in how he mm-hmm. speaks to the demons mm-hmm. because he told the demons um, not to speak because they knew him. Mm-hmm. So why do you think yeah. he might have done that? Um, well, I, I, one of the reasons uh, would be is he really didn't need the testimony of demons. You know, um, His word was yeah. sufficient, um, but he, he didn't want... Um, he, he didn't want to let the cat out of the bag too soon. Um, um, he oftentimes, even with those people that he healed, he would tell them, don't tell anybody. Hmm. Um, which, you know, you, you, you realize that probably two things there. One was is that Jesus had to reveal himself in due time. He, he you know, the people at, at a couple of points in his ministry, they, they wanted to take him by force and make him king. And so that's not why he came. And so he avoided that. And um, I think, you know, the, the other reason is, is, is kind of you alluded to it, is that Jesus didn't come primarily to heal people yeah. or even to cast out a demon here or there. He had a much greater purpose. And much of his time was consumed with meeting the physical needs of people. Yeah. And, and he had to be ruthless with his time. Uh, we see him many times pulling away to a desolate place, um, uh, seeking his father in prayer. Um, but I think as we keep going here, we're, we're going to see you know, that Jesus does in fact have a greater purpose than just healing people or casting out demons. Yeah. He actually came, what? To, to crush Satan's head. Yeah. To, to deal him a death blow. And, and so well, let's just move on to verse 35 and, and following because I think here we'll clearly see Jesus' purpose. In verse 35 we read, it says, In rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And, and, and so we see Jesus pulling away from the crowds, going to a desolate place. And then when his disciples finally find him, Jesus doesn't go back. He says, let's go to, the, let's go to some other towns. Yeah. Let's, let's minister there. Now, I can understand um, why he would want to you know, preach you know, the gospel, but why would he step away from such a successful ministry in Capernaum? Yeah. Well, and probably depends on how we as people define success, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good point. And, you know, Jesus clearly wasn't, wasn't here for fame, mm-hmm. wasn't here for fortune. And as you look at, you know, some of the faith healers that are out there today, uh, much of what they do, it is designed uh, for fame mm-hmm. or for fortune. But Jesus... Yeah wasn't interested in that. Yeah. He, he was here so that others would hear what it is that he came to teach. Yeah. And, and of course, the demands. You know, think about all the people that came to him. If Jesus were to, to try to heal them all, um, when, would he be, when would he have time to preach? Yeah. And, and, and remember what he says here. He says, let's go to the next towns that I may, what? Preach there. Not that I may... Yeah heal people there, but that I may preach there for that is why I came out. That is why I came 
to preach the gospel. Because the, the ultimate healing that we need is the healing of our souls. Um, you know, this physical body is, is going to, at some point in time, die. Um, but our souls will live forever. And God is desiring that all should come to repentance and receive the gift of eternal life. And, um, and so, you know, now I don't want to minimize the fact that, that Jesus is moved by our suffering. He is full of compassion. He is full of mercy. And so many times, even as we'll see in a little bit, he is moved to pity. He's moved to do something about our plight. Um, but that's not the reason for all these miracles. These miracles had a greater, greater purpose. And, and they weren't an end in themselves. They actually proved who he was, his identity as the son of God. And they gave validation to the gospel message uh, that he preached. Um, you know, these, these were amazing signs that, that he did, um, but they weren't an end in themselves. Yeah. And um, I was remembering as, it, as we were preparing for this message uh, about a trip that my family, we took to Disney World. Hmm. Uh, my family, they're watching, so they will remember this. But one... One day we decided, Sandy and I decided we were going to surprise our kids with a trip to Disney World down in Florida. So, uh, you know, we told the kids, however, that we were planning on going to the mountains. So we... Pile, oh, hold we, on here a minute. Was that a lie? Oh, don't... <laughs> that's a sermon for another day, okay? But uh, we, we were planning on going to the mountains. Uh, we got everything loaded up in the car. It was a five-hour drive to the Georgia-Florida state line. My kids never knew where we were until my wife yells out, Florida, what are we doing in Florida? And the kids all popped up and they looked, Florida, what are we doing in Florida? And I said, we're not going to the mountains. We're going to Disney World. And of course, they were super, super excited. But um, as we uh, got on I-4 heading in towards Orlando, got to Orlando, you know, you see all the signs, you know, Magic Kingdom this way, yeah. you know. Um, we would never have stopped at one of those signs, camped out and said, hey, this is good enough. <laughs> this is good enough, you know. It's like, the, look at the sign, Magic Kingdom, 10 miles this way, you know. No, because we wanted to go to Magic Kingdom. We wanted to go to, to, to Disney World and... And I think that when you look at Jesus's ministry, all the signs that he performed, all the signs and wonders, mm -hmm. those were wonderful. Yeah. But they were just pointers. Uh, they, they weren't the final destination. They were pointing to something greater. They were pointing to Jesus himself. They were pointing to the kingdom. They were pointing to the cross. They pointed to eternal life. And, and it's important for us to understand that, that Jesus performed these miracles so that we might believe that he is the son of God, that he has ultimate authority over all of creation. And he's able to do something about our, our plight. And, um, and so, you know, uh, you know Jesus's purpose, however, we, we learn as we go through the gospels is now our purpose. You know, what he came to do, um, we're called to do. And just like Jesus was ruthless and pulled away from the crowds and understood that, you know, as, as wonderful as the healings were, as, as important as they were, that wasn't the end game. 
He, he could not afford to be sidetracked from his ultimate mission, which was to preach the gospel, to equip 12 guys to carry on his mission in the world. And, yeah. and we can't afford to be sidetracked uh, either. Uh, I've heard it said that sometimes good is the enemy of great. Mm. And these were good things that Jesus did. And, and even today in the church, there are many wonderful people, great churches who do many good things, whether it's, it's feeding uh, the hungry, caring for those who are sick and in prison, um, meeting the needs of the homeless, providing shelter for them. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, what good is a full belly uh, if, if, if we end up in hell? Uh, and that's where we have to understand that, yes, do good, acts of kindness, serve one another, but preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel. That is the calling of every single Christian. Well, and just to think about that, you know, and think about all of the ways that we spend time as people, from time with our family to time at work to uh, time sitting in front of the TV and beginning to think about, you know, what, what is my main purpose how am I spending my time? Mm-hmm. How can I really um, show this is the purpose of my life? Yeah. And if, if that purpose is something other than sharing the gospel and uh, making disciples, yeah. we're missing something. Yeah. And it could be a good thing. Yeah. A good thing. Absolutely. But is it the best thing? Is it the best way to spend our time? Yeah. Good with, point. Without a doubt. So let's look on. Um, verse 39. It says, and he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. Hmm. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made um, it's clear here in this passage is as Jesus clearly has a mission and a purpose to preach the mm-hmm. gospel, and he has um, purpose in the the um, miracles that he's doing so that others might know that he has this authority, but not to become some carnival show yeah. of healing. Um, here we see this man recognizing by faith that Jesus has the power and the authority in a moment to heal him. And he says, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then those, those two words, aren't they powerful? I will. Boom. Wow. Yeah. So, man, what a moment um, just to see that even as Jesus is on mission, um, he deeply cares mm-hmm. about people. He yeah. has compassion uh, for people, even though he has um, all authority in, in, in all of the world. Mm-hmm. He created everything. Um, he still cares um, for those that are sick, those that are outcasts, mm-hmm. those that nobody wants to be around, nobody wants to touch, um, everyone's afraid to be around them, and many ridicule them. Um, Jesus has compassion on this man yeah. and heals him. Mm-hmm. As you begin to think about, you know, as uh, leprosy for the most part has been eradicated uh, from our culture and from mm-hmm. our world, well, what what are what are those things that mm. push people out in society that nobody wants to touch them nobody wants to be around them be in their presence they're afraid to be with them or be recognized with them or they're going to somehow catch something mm. and we begin to think man there there are there are people 
um, in our world and our culture. Um, that even even right now, particularly as as you look at um, this whole pandemic in other countries and other states, mm -hmm. as you see um, healthcare workers willing um, to enter into yeah. that time and space where that person is that's sick, mm -hmm. um, not knowing what will happen to them, mm -hmm. um, and um, they provide compassion and grace uh, to that person who's hurting. Yeah, what a what a picture of of Christ, selfless love um you know because you you think about this this leper that that you're talking about um people didn't want did, didn't, didn't want to be near lepers yeah. let alone touching a leper and 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 the fact that mark records for us that jesus reached out with his hand and and touched him yeah I mean, that's, that's powerful. Imagine what that would have done to you if you were the leper and hear Jesus touching you. Well, and, and we don't know if this was a private moment or a public one, mm -hmm. but if it was in any way public, you know, you, you can see the tension as, yeah. as the leper approaches. You know, he's not even allowed to be there. And Jesus doesn't back up. There's no concern or worry on his face, but everybody else is like, mm -hmm. oh, no. What's Jesus going to do now? Yeah. Well, you know, in our church, um, we've got a number of folks who work um, in, in healthcare. Yeah. We've got doctors, we've got nurses, we've got my own wife and daughter work at a retirement facility or a, um, uh, up at Violet Springs where, the, where they have residents in their 80s and 90s um, who are very susceptible to uh, COVID. Um, and it, it's, it's just ravaging that demographic. And yet they go in to care for these people on a daily basis. Our nurses, our doctors, um, our EMTs, you know, the, these are people who are on the front lines putting their lives on the line. And I just, to me, it's just what a wonderful picture of, of who Christ is yeah. um, that we get to emulate him in our sphere of service. Yeah. Well, and also, too, just hear this moment of physical ailment, physical disease. Mm -hmm. It also gives us a picture and insight into the compassion of Christ as we all have a disease mm -hmm. called sin yeah. and how that has ruined um, everything and touched every part of our being. Mm -hmm. um, but yet, um, Jesus isn't worried about it. Um, he's not afraid of it. That mm -hmm. he um, has compassion on us and will reach out to us. Mm -hmm. uh, when we place our trust and faith in him, acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, mm -hmm. he heals us yeah. in a moment. Yeah, we, we were unclean. Unclean yeah. with sin. Yeah. And, and he had compassion. He came to earth and he went to the cross and he died and um, I think about um, Peter, Apostle Peter, in his uh, first epistle, he said this, that referring to Jesus, he said, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And then this last line, by his wounds, you have been healed. Praise God. He took the punishment that we deserved. He was whipped or flogged. Um, he was beaten. He was crucified so that we might be healed of, of this terrible disease called sin. And, and so as we you know, conclude this morning, 
you know, taking this whole passage together, I think is quite powerful because, yeah. you know, when you look at it, Jesus's teachings and, and miracles not only revealed his authority mm -hmm. over all of creation, yep. but it also revealed his purpose and his compassion. And all of those things flow from who he is yeah. as the son of God. This is who he is. And, and, and I was thinking, what then ought to be our response? What, what should we do in light of the fact that Jesus has authority, you know, that, that he has a clear purpose um, and that he is compassionate towards, towards us? And I think it, it boils down to this. We have to, we must submit to his authority. We must submit every part of our lives to his authority. Now, now we could be here all day talking about, well, what, what is that? What does that look like? I would just challenge you, think about it. And maybe you could ask yourself this question, what area or areas in my life have I not yet submitted to him that I need to submit to him? So I think that's a clear, obvious application. Yeah. Um, I think also we're to preach the gospel yeah. with compassion. You know, we don't, we don't go to somebody and, you know, share the gospel. And if, and if they reject, you say, all right, then go to hell then. You know, <laughs> no, we don't do that, okay? <laughs> we love people and, and we implore them. We beg them to come to Christ knowing um, that he is worthy of, of our allegiance. And, and, and we, we need to be willing to go to people and to places um, where, where Jesus is needed most. Yeah. And, and when we share the gospel, when we go to those places, we mm -hmm. don't go on our own authority. No. We go on the authority of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. the creator of the universe, mm -hmm. the one who has died, the one who has said, he is God. We go on his authority mm -hmm. whenever we go and we turn our eyes to him. Matthew 28, right? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Yeah. On the basis of that authority preach the gospel, make disciples of all the nations. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd like to close just with looking at a verse in Hebrews chapter one, because I think it's kind of uh, fitting for us. Um, it's uh, chapter 12, verse one and two, uh, kind of ties back into our NASCAR introduction, <laughs> but it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Um, so this week, uh, God's going to give us opportunities uh, to do just that, um, to preach the gospel, to demonstrate compassion to people, for us to be able to submit to his authority in our lives. And as we go about our daily business, as we seek to follow God's leading um, let's pray for those people um, who we know don't know Christ. They may be family members. They may be friends. They may be neighbors. Um, in fact, uh, this uh, Monday night, tomorrow night, uh, weather permitting, Lord willing, um, we're going to get out here in the community, right here in downtown Canal Winchester, and we're going to be praying for our city and for our people and for the businesses and all of the leaders uh, here in our community. Yeah. And it would be wonderful if you would join us for that. We're going to meet right here yeah. in the back of uh, the office here at 20 East Waterloo outside. at 7 o'clock yep. outside. And then we'll break up into a couple of groups, and we've got a map 
for you, and we're just going to let you loose. And wouldn't it be cool to see, you know, 40, 60 people walking downtown as the restaurants are now open um, and seeing us? Bring your kids. Yeah. And what a great opportunity to uh, help them learn and see um, the power of the gospel lived out and how we pray for others. Yeah. And, And that, I think, ties in with the fact that, remember, in our story, Jesus pulled away from the crowds to pray. If anything of any lasting value is going to happen, it's going to happen because God's people are willing to pray. And so we invite you to do that. Let's uh, close our time in prayer. And then we just uh, wish you uh, a great rest of your day. Let's let's go to the Lord. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Uh, Thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for just uh, riveting to our hearts these truths. And uh, may we be obedient to them. May we submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. May we be faithful in the preaching and the proclamation of the gospel. And may we have compassion for all those that Christ came to save. And we just give you all the thanks and praise, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.